You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Oh boy, this is great. This is surreal. This is fantastic. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Oh! Oh! Sure feels good to be back home again. Honestly, I'll I'll never do this again. (laughs) Where I come in, bam, and this is the first time I'm seeing like so many people that I love and know. I send you greetings. Hi, Mike. I send you greetings from Belfast, Belfast Church of Christ. Um, You've got brothers and sisters over there. We are we are 19 strong. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, our membership it uh, it breaks down to uh, 19 members, 17 adults. Um, two uh, baptized teens, and then uh, 22 kids. So, um, yeah, we're a, we're a growing ministry, a fruitful ministry, you might say. Um, it's been great. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. We've been there four years now, and um, it's that's amazing uh, that uh, time has passed that quickly. And, um, you know, it's just great because we've seen God in those four years really work in the Belfast ministry. Um, We've been blessed with uh, several conversions. Um, you know, one I'm, I'm most proud of is, is my, my son Jake. Uh, he started a school over there, and uh, you know, we have preteens and teens. We, we have that every week. It's a real uh, big uh, part of our ministry, and uh, reached out to one of his friends, brought him along. Along came his dad, got baptized. Uh, along came his mom, got restored, because they'd actually went to the Church of Christ, the traditional Church of Christ. And uh, then uh, uh, Jake's good friend Jonathan just got baptized a few weeks ago. So um, just very, very happy about that. Yep. Um, we've also been blessed—I was going to start my timer here. We've also been blessed um, to uh, answer, saw answered prayer. Um, when we got there, there was a, a, a couple—the uh, the man was on staff, and uh, he stepped down. Uh, not too long after we got there, he had some other things that he wanted to pursue. So um, myself and Jackie and uh, this other couple, we kind of stepped up and sort of held things together for a little while. But we were praying, and we were really praying about our our growing kids and praying that God would meet the needs for for us. And lo and behold, we started uh, putting out the search for uh, leaders, and some people came into Belfast and spoke to us and everything. Nothing was really working, and then— in uh, late, uh, late last year, uh, a couple from London named Mulligan and Joe Price, they came over uh, from London, and it was just great. It was a perfect fit. They were actually in charge of leading the teens in London. And so for them to come to a little church like Belfast, 19 strong, with all these kids coming up, and us kind of, you know, sort of knowing what to do, sort of not knowing what to do, just really looking to God for help, it was just a real, real blessing. So we now have full-time leaders in the Belfast church. Amen. Um, you know, again, we, we enjoy close ties with the UK churches. We were blessed uh, during that time of interim where uh, Andy and Tammy Fleming would come over uh, quite frequently, and it just got—I was closer to Andy overseas than I was here. It was just, it was just so great how God works those things. Um, we've got a really close uh, relationship, like I say, with all the UK churches. We meet with Dublin uh, Church every quarter. Um, it's just fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's great to hear the preteens speak. I'm, I'm going to my first preteen camp with uh, my son Riley uh, when we get back. That's why we could only stay here for a short time. Um, you know, people are always asking me when I'm in uh, Belfast and, and, and meeting people, and they find out it's weird to be the one with the accent, um, <laughs> that uh, they say, don't you miss home? Don't you miss the U.S.? 
And um, you know, people over there have they have this idea. That most people that that um, the United States is, especially people who haven't been here, is a cross between New York City and Los Angeles. You know, it's like happening and beautiful all the time. You know, um, but uh, and I tell them, I tell them honestly, I tell them, I I don't really. You know, I, I mean, I, I do miss certain things. It's been great to be in California. I had my In-N-Out burger last night. Um, you know, 75 and sunny all the time is, is fantastic. I, I do miss those things a little bit, but you know, I really love where I'm at. I love the church. I love uh, the people that I meet in the street. I love my job. You know, God has put me in a, in a teaching job. You know, I, I teach this uh, school for children with special needs. Um, but the one thing that I do miss is you. Now, I, I've got a great church family in Belfast, and I love them, and they are my family. And what I've seen and what I've learned um, in these past four years is that the people that God puts in your life for a very specific time are very special, you know? You know, I miss you, Pedro, you know? I do. I love you, you know? Michaelo, man, I'm so glad to see you, you know? I mean, I, I could just, I could go around and around. I saw Owen Thomas walking around here, you know. It's just, it's just like, it, it's so great. It's such a blessing. Jerry Spradlin, follow that. I can't wait. Where's your kid? I can't meet your kid. I'm going to meet your kid. I can't wait. You know, but it, it's, it's just so great, the relationships that we're able to have in the kingdom of God. That's the thing that I miss, you know. Uh, my friend Stephen Kelly's here, you know. I miss whistling at you in the, in the hallway, but I used to I teach with, uh, with uh, Stephen. And, um, you know, it's great. Uh, you know, and if I, can, if I can implore anything, it's just to cherish the time that you have. I know the Aguilar, or the Mongees, sorry. I know that they're, they're leaving, uh, you know, and I know that, uh, you know, I, I know how you're feeling right now, bro, and it's just like, you cherish the time that you have. And we see it all the time in, in the kingdom of God. Um, uh, we're talking about, you guys have been talking about uh, traveling light. There it is. Good. Um, Psalm 23. Obviously, I don't travel light. Um, you know, we do travel light here. I, I give all praise to my wife. She keeps us right. Uh, you know, 50 pounds is the limit if you're getting on an airplane. So just be careful of that. Um, but she, she does really good with that. And, um, but, you know, you know, thinking about traveling light and thinking about the, the, the things that we carry around with us. You know, we, we don't always travel light. We carry a lot more than 50 pounds with us a lot of times, don't we? And um, I'd just like to say a prayer before I, I start this sermon. Uh, Heavenly Father God, it is so, so, so great to be back here in the South Bay amongst uh, people uh, who I love so dearly, Father. Um, I'm so blessed to have so many friends in uh, this, this wonderful place, uh, this, this corner of the world, God, that you have done so much through uh, over the years, that you continue to do so much through, Father. Um, thank you so much for uh, blessing uh, this group the way you have, for giving them uh, so much. Uh, things that they probably don't even understand on some levels, but uh, on other levels do and do appreciate, God. And I pray we can all grow in our appreciation, as it's been said up here many, many times already today, for just the relationship that we can have with you, uh, Father. You are so gracious to us. Thank you for that, Father. Uh, I do pray that you, uh, you bless the Marichis, God. It's just great to hear from them this morning, and uh, uh, I just pray that you continue to bless their time over there. Um, thank you for this time, God. Thank you for uh, your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, if you want to open your Bibles, uh, we're looking at uh, Psalm 23. I'll, I'll just start there. You know, when I read this psalm, um, a couple things occur to me. Here 
It says in Psalm uh, 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is the first time I'm focusing on today. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, the title of my sermon today is, is called Wrecked. And I've got two points. And, and the first point is that God deeply desires to have an intimately close relationship with you. I'll, and I'll say that again, because I think that's— I, I, I love that song. I've got to get the words for that song for the, from the preteen camp, because um, it says that. God deeply desires to have an intimately close relationship with you. You know, it's been great reading through—I've uh, been reading with the boys a little bit through, uh, through Genesis— and uh, I'm just reminded of how all through the Bible, God is in pursuit of us. How from the very beginning, from creation all the way to Revelation, he's in uh, pursuit of a, of a deep relationship with us. So it's repeated time and time again. And it just shows me again that God wants us to trust in him. And that's easy sometimes, isn't it? It's easy to trust God sometimes. You know, sometimes things are going great for us. You know, I mean, everybody's happy, we're healthy. Uh, food in our bellies. There's a lot of good things going on in our lives. You know, things are going well. It's, it's really easy to trust. We, we can see the blessings that God's giving us. But what about the times that are hard? You know, you ever have those times? Times? Uh, good. That's good. That's, I, I, like, I like the strong reactions. It's great. I'm used to speaking to a much smaller group. Um, you know, uh, you know, things get hard sometimes in our lives. Um, I've taken a great interest in the book of Daniel. If you could turn over to Daniel chapter 1 real quick for me, please. Now this, is, this has become my favorite book of the Bible. Um, I just love the stories in it. In Daniel, you have a story of some men who've experienced some dark times in their lives. Um, these guys may have been tempted to give up, but they didn't. And so I think we can learn something from these guys today. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family of nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Hananiah. 
Oh, I'm sorry, in Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. You know, and these guys, these guys were going through a rough time. You know, God had decided that uh, Judah was not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and actually they weren't. They needed some humbling, and he decided to use Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to uh, discipline them, to bring them uh, sort of to their knees. And, you know, sometimes that has to happen, doesn't it? That God has to bring us to our knees. Um, you know, these guys, though, these four, they seem like pretty good guys, don't they? But still, God said, you know what, I'm going to take these guys, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar changes their names, you know, and if you look at what their names are changed to, uh, it, it's kind of crazy. Here, I'll read it here for you. Here. Nebuchadnezzar changes the name of Daniel and his friends. Uh, he, the new name that he gives to Daniel, well, Daniel means God is my judge in Hebrew. The name he changes his to is Belshazzar, which means Bel protect his life. Okay, so a, a foreign god. Hananiah means the Lord shows grace. His new name, Shadrach, probably means under the command of Aku, the moon god. Mishael means who's like God. His new name, Meshach, probably means who is like Aku. And Azariah means the Lord helps. His new name, Abednego, means servant of Nego, or Nebo, a, a god of the Babylonians. You know, the king attempted to change the religious loyalty of these young men. You know, you talk about a dark time. Add an insult to injury right here. You know, you take a great name like Jerry, and you just change it to Rasputin or something like that, you know? It's just like, oh, man, I was happy with Jerry, you know? And it's, it's insulting. It's not only this, it's more like changing it to Lucifer or, or some crazy uh, bad name, Hitler or something. I don't know. You know, these guys, these guys are going through a dark, dark time. And again, you know, they talk about these guys. They say how, how great they were and everything. Um, but things really began to get tough uh, over in Daniel chapter 3. Now, I'll just summarize here real quick. You know, and most of us know the story of Daniel and everything, but it, God is always with these guys, and he's always making them shine in the face of danger. But I want you to turn over to Daniel chapter 3 real quick. This is where things really heat up. In Daniel 3, verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar, he made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all other kinds of music, the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Well, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound 
I don't know why he keeps repeating this, but he does, of these instruments and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship them should be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of your province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve gods, my gods, or worship the image that I have set up, of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn flutes, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You know, these guys do not get a break. You know, they, they are set above some affairs. They uh, are doing the right thing for God. And they are still in great, great danger. I would call this a valley of darkness that they're, they're up against. You know, in some ways, they could say that their life has been wrecked. They had it going good in Judah. But their life has been wrecked, and they don't understand why, because they've been doing all these great things. You know, sometimes we really can't come up with answers. We simply need to trust God. You know, other times we need to take a hard look at choices we've made, apart from relying on God, that have brought us to where we are. Um, Psalm 107, uh, sounds like it's what Brian used for that song there. Psalm 107, verse 10. It says, Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness the utter darkness, and broke the, away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. You know, I know there's a lot of things, there's a lot of dark valleys that people go through. I know in here, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of things. I, you know, a, a crowd of this size, and I know a lot of specifics about a lot of people in here. I love Facebook. Um, you know, that there's a lot of darkness, a dark valley. You know, I read this scripture to say that sometimes we walk into that valley, don't we? Sometimes we just waltz right in. If you're like me, I just waltz right in. Um, I think about my life. I think about, again, just times I've spent here. You know, when I came to church for the first time, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I was addicted to sexual things. Uh, I won't go into too much detail here because I know there's a lot of young people, but the, 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 the things that I was involved with, I'm not proud of. But I just kind of walked right into those things. I've led a pretty blessed life, really. But what I did is I turned my back on God. You know, I've ignored many, many times uh, the impulse that God has sent to me through my conscience, uh, the, the urges, the gentle nudges, the whispers, the tornadoes, uh, all the different signs that God says, hey, 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 come on. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to come 
and, and, and be with me. Um, I've ignored it. And it's been great. It's been great to be a part of recovery ministries. Um, and to find out that what's really fueled that for me was I was a lonely man. And I am a lonely man. There's, there's a loneliness in my core that I need to fill with something. You know, for years and years, I filled that loneliness with drugs and alcohol, with sex. I filled it with uh, just being flippant to what the world is, just blending in and, and pursuing a career of whatever, you know, just doing all kinds of things that put God way over here. You know, because God allows us to go through these dark times. If we, want to, if we want to walk into a dark time, he doesn't close the door. He doesn't slam it on us. He lets us go in. Um, you know, you think about that. You think about, okay, the prodigal son. Love that story. You know, just go on. But when he came to his senses, he came back to God, is what it says. You know, but our sin, the problem with sin is, sin takes us farther than we want to go, doesn't it? You know, and it keeps us longer than we want to stay. You know, that's the thing about me with what I've, what I've found for sin is just like, you know what? I, I can't live there anymore. Um, but that loneliness is something that I still battle every day. I battle that loneliness. I battle that feeling of, of, of self-hate, maybe, of, um, of just frustration about not knowing different things. I'm a 44-year-old man. I'm a father of three boys. You know, but I, I, I deal with those struggles on a day-to-day -day basis. Good. There's people that can relate. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, you know, and that's something I don't want to pass on to my kids. I don't want to pass that on. Um, I, I, want to, I want to give them something better. And that's something better is not me. That's something better is God. Um, let's see. How's your relationship with God today? You know? That's one form of dark valley. Uh, the other one, that, that's the one I'm most familiar with, but the other one is the one, like I said before, that we don't really choose. You know, things just kind of come upon us. You know, cancer. I'll just put it out there. It's, it's cancer. That's real. We, we have these things that happen to us. Loss of a job. Anybody lose their job? You know, you, you lose things. Depression. You know, I, I've come to the realization depression is real. And it's powerful. And there's people, it, 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 walking wounded, you know, all around the place. Um, loss of friends and family members. People die. Hard times. You know, you, you guys are all filling in the blanks in your own mind right now of hard times that you've experienced, and they come. But God has a plan. God has a plan for these things. He had a plan for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they're faced with this hard time. They're faced with this fiery furnace they're about to be thrown into. And again, when I read a story like this, and again, especially when you repeat all the uh, instruments and everything, I'd say, okay, this is real. This really happened. It's in the Bible. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it's literal in this story. This actually happened. Let's read on in verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego— I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in Daniel 3 now again. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace— the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. They're confident. But get this. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. How's that? 
How's that for a right attitude? It's awesome. It is. Do you have that attitude today, church? Do you have the attitude that, you know what? This sucks right now. Sorry. This stinks right now. That's bad. I don't know. I don't even know if it's a bad way. Anyway, this is not good right now in my life. I want this to change. Are you okay if God says no? Yeah, and before you answer, yeah, think about that. Am I okay if I don't get that job that I've worked so hard for? If he dies from cancer, if he does, is God not answering my prayer? If X, Y, Z doesn't, Z, doesn't happen, are you okay with that? They were. They believed. They believed in the promises of God. You know what? They were, they were, they were very happy. They were very happy to have a very good prophet. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 29 real quick. You know, this was a man who preached the word. Jeremiah, you don't mess with Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. I'm going to butcher these names, but that's okay. Jeremiah 29 verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and the priests and the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim. And the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans who had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Shaphan, and to Jeremiah, son of Hilkanah, who Zedekiah, son of Judah, sent to the king Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, it said. I want to read that because this is authentic. This is the, this is the time when this was written. Verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You know, these guys were a part of God's plan. Again, God had a plan to humble the nation of Judah. These guys were along for the ride, and they needed to go along for the ride, and they had the right attitude, and they were just fine with that. Um, it's just so amazing 
to see what God can do with people's lives, isn't it? You know, I got a text from Jackie Ricci just before, uh, shared it with us just before um, we left uh, the house today. And Jack, any of you may have seen it on Facebook because she posted it there, where she met with, um, I think, Sammy and Fadi. Uh, you know, Sammy was in jail for two to three months because he, uh, and beaten, uh, because he was a leader in the church. And, you know, I didn't get all, all the um, uh, text down, but what, what I did get was what, how Jackie uh, uh, closed the message. It says, it's so amazing to see what God does over a lifetime. Things we cannot see, God only knows that they are happening. And it's, it's amazing when you think about that. You know, the things that are going on in people's lives right now, um, we can't see what's going on. We don't know. We are not God, you know? I always appreciated that, that point in uh, Purpose Driven Life where, you know, for God to explain his uh, uh, purpose to us is like us explaining the internet to an ant. That's true. We, we cannot fathom what God has planned. Uh, I read a great book. Um, it's called Connecting by Larry Crabb. I, I highly recommend it, Connecting. Um, it's, uh, it, it's really good. It's all about healing for ourselves and our relationships. And uh, there's, there's a part in it that um, I'll just read here for you. It says, Until we realize what he, God, is up to, then our perspective changes and worship becomes real. Since Eden until Christ returns, God has entered a battle with a vision for what he intends to accomplish. The battle is not to improve our circumstances, to supply us with money, to protect us from suffering, to keep us safe from pain and struggle, or to quickly fix whatever problems develop in our bodies. We're encouraged to pray for all these things, but we must always finish our prayer with that wonderful caveat that in our immaturity we find so annoying— if it be thy will. Isn't this what, oh, sorry, isn't it his will that his children enjoy the blessing of healthy bodies and pleasant circumstances? Apparently not. At least not in this life. In his old age, Peter said, we are called to suffer well. He later admonished us to not be surprised when painful trials come our way as though something unexpected were happening. That's 1 Peter 2 and 1 Peter 4. It says, God will one day, and this is great, God will one day wage war against every reason for tears. And he will win. But for now, he's fighting a different battle. That, as it is successfully fought, leaves plenty of reasons for tears. Until we go home, we can count on God to lead us into the battle against soul disease. That's the war he's waging today. You know, we're a part of a battle right now. God wants your soul. Your health, yeah, it's important to him. Your financial well-being, yeah, it's, it, it means something to him. But not near as much, not even on the scale of your soul. Amen. You know, and God wants a relationship with, with you. That leads me to my second point here. Uh, God deeply desires a rich, meaningful relationship in his church. Let me say that again. God deeply desires to have intimately close relationships in his church. That's between me and you, between us. Um, you know, Daniel uh, 3, 19 through 30, I'll just, I'll just uh, finish this out here because it's such a great story. Then Nebuchadnezzar, 
was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and all other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of God's. You know, a little side note there. I don't know how Daniel got out of this one. I don't know how Daniel got out of this one. Yeah. Anyway, back to the story. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come here! So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be cut into pieces, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to, into the province of uh, Babylon. Emotional guy, isn't he? Nebuchadnezzar? My goodness gracious, I wouldn't want to cross him. But I'll tell you what, what I like about this is, is several things. You know, God, when he is with us, people see it, don't they? People see God with you, you know? And these guys, what I love, again, going back to their attitude, they did not care if they were burned up. If it was God's will that they are burned up, they're just fine with that. Now, I'm sure they're very happy that they weren't burned up. I'm just sure they're very excited to be able to share that story. But why? Again, thinking about why they had that attitude, how they had that attitude, you know, I think it's friendship. It's a relationship with one another. You know, I'd love to see how this developed their friendship. You ever go through a hard time with somebody? A brother or sister who's going through a hard time. Wow. Doesn't that strengthen your relationship? Yeah, Eric. Me and you, brother. We've been through some hard times. Where's Brian Adams? Where's he at? I saw Ren over here. Been through some hard times, haven't we, bro? Yep. Mike Halo, we've been through some hard times? Yep. Hard times. Makes you closer, doesn't it? Yeah. These guys had that. They've been through some champagne. We've been through some hard times, haven't we, bro? Oh, man. I see you, Justin. Oh, all these guys. Rudy, I see you over there, man. It's great. It's great to have relationships that actually mean something. Guys, look around. Look. Look at the, look at the people next to you. Hopefully you're sitting next to somebody you know. <laughs> these are the most important people in your life. Amen. Do you understand that? These people have your soul in mind. They are not here just to check the box, I've been to church on Sunday. Well, maybe you are. If you are, repent. 
you know? Have a talk. But that's what we need to do, isn't it? We need to have talks. We need to talk to each other on a real level. Good to see you, Chip. We need to talk to each other. We need to have real relationships. And I think that's what God is calling us to do. That's what God had in mind for these men. And that's what saved their lives. They had a real relationship with one another. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. If you turn over there, please, real quick. I'm trying to be mindful of time. You know, we all go through hard times. We go, we go through collectively. We go through individually. But those hard times, again, they're designed for a purpose. I, was, I think about, if I had time, I looked up a, a caterpillar um, analogy, you know, or the caterpillar's crawling along, and then all of a sudden he gets this urge, and he just goes into this darkness. He's in this darkness, this cocoon, he's nothing, and then he comes out of this darkness, and he's like, whoa, I'm a butterfly, and he's just flying around, or a moth. Um, and it's just like, I didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming at all. I was happy eating the leaves, you know. But, but God had a plan for that butterfly. There's your analogy. There you go. Um, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we do because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our, be on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to those prayers of many. You know, I had to pause there real quick because I forgot to say something. Pray for us. Pray for your brothers and sisters, and I know you guys are great prayer warriors, all around the world. There are great things happening all around the world. There are great things, I get to see it firsthand in the UK, there are great things happening right now uh, in the churches. Uh, just continue to pray for each other. But you know, back to the scripture, you know, there's a design. I, I appreciate what Paul has to say right here, because he doesn't hold back. He says, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. I don't think I've ever been that down. That's pretty bad. But we can go there. We can go there. You know, uh, something I, I learned real recently was, um, I, I used to tell people, don't worry, bro. God, God won't give you more than you can handle. Don't, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. I've said that a hundred times if I've said it once. God will not give you more temptation than you can handle, is what the scripture says. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But Jesus himself was overwhelmed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was sweating blood. I think that constitutes, what's it say here? Far beyond our ability to endure. You know, we go through things, guys. We go through things, and we need help. We need people to help us through it. But why do we go through those things? We go so that we can share with those other people. Don't waste the dark valley that God has allowed you to go to. Don't waste those times. You got, again, I said, I'm, I'm ashamed. You know, I've got my sons sitting here. You know, I'm talking about sexual impurity and things like that. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, 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 it's nothing I want for them. But you know what? I'm going to use my experience to help other people because God allowed me to go through it. Again, I feel like I just waltzed right into it. But you know what? It is what it is. It is what it was. I'm not going to waste my darkness to protect my ego or to protect my uh, personality or whatever. I don't even know what the word is. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to use the darkness. I'm going to use the experience that God gave me because that's why he allowed me to go through it. Amen? Amen. Uh, we'll close up here. Um, uh, you know, again, I'm so grateful for, for the ministries that I've been a part of. Uh, CR ministry, a, a sexual recovery ministry, uh, just the ministry in general. I'm just so uh, grateful for people. I'm grateful to still have great relationships in my life. I fight, again, you know, I, I'm just so glad Kyle Graves is here. Um, you know, what Kyle and I do, it's great. It, it didn't start out this way. When I moved over there, Kyle and I, we used to, get out, we used to go every Thursday morning for years and pray. Um, it was just our routine. And uh, moved over to Ireland, and, you know, we'd keep in touch a little bit here and there, here and there. And uh, then one time we got together and was like, hey, let's just get together every week. And again, a big part of my comfortability in moving over there is things like Facebook and Skype and things like that, where it's like the world just was shh. And um, so every Saturday morning, nearly, uh, I get up at 7 o'clock, and every Friday night, nearly, uh, Kyle Graves stays up till 11 o'clock, and we have an hour of time where we talk. Because you know what? That guy knows me better than anybody else in this room, except for my wife. But my wife, my wife, on that, my wife's a spiritual woman, and she's a great woman. She's a great help to me spiritually. But she's not everything that I need. You know, God, you know, look at Jesus. Jesus had men in his life. So he was a man, and he had a few men in his life. How are your relationships today? If they're not where they need to be, I strongly encourage you to find men or women, if you're a woman, in your life that you can talk to. And be that person. Be that person who listens. Again, I, I've got another whole sermon right here to, to speak. I don't have time for it. But we need to really grow in our listening capabilities. We need to grow in our compassion for one another. You know, this, this scripture is all about compassion. I didn't even get to my shepherd analogies, you know, about the, how caring and how nice the shepherd with the staff and the rod and all that. Look all that stuff up. It's all online. Um, but it's fantastic just to think about how much God loves us and wants to use us in each other's lives. We've got something so special here, guys. Again, you may be in a bubble here uh, to a degree, but our church, guys, it ain't happening in other places. What we do is special, but we need to. We're not, we're not immune to, to decay. 
We need to keep sharp. We need to keep involved. We need to keep in each other's lives. Let's close out here. In conclusion, oh my gosh, I had a whole other page. Um, yeah, you know, can I talk just for a second a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to take too much time. You know, I, I just, I want to talk about, again, uh, when we moved in, in July of 2011, um, we moved for many reasons, and we weighed many factors. First thing I did was talk to Andy uh, uh, Fleming to see if there was a strong church there. But we went over there because Jackie's dad was aging, is aging. And um, we get over there, get settled in. January of 2012, my mom calls me and tells me she's got cancer. Didn't see that one coming. Um, you know, I got a timeline here. Um, age 66, January 2012, uh, my mom has cancer. Uh, November 2013, my mom died of cancer at the age of 67. You know, on top of that, I was in a job, you know, trying to provide for my family, and um, it was a shoe-in, you know, no problem. It should have been my job, no problem. Guy that beat me out of the job, it's a highly competitive teaching over there. Uh, the guy that beat me out, uh, guy beat me out of the, of the job five days after my mom died. So I'm like, okay, what? What are you doing, God? What, what's going on here? And I, that's about as far as it got, to be honest with you, too. It wasn't like, oh, God hates me. I never got that down. But the reason, you know why I didn't get down, I'm very faithful, is because I have relationships. I have men like Kyle, men like James, men like Mulligan and Daniel and all these guys in Ireland now in my life. And they helped me. They helped me with my perspective. They helped me just by being there. You know, just being there with people when they're going through a hard time is so valuable. Be with people. Be with people. Love people. In conclusion, um, we have a God who deeply desires to have an intimately close relationship with each one of us. He loves each one of us more than we could ever know. Now, he allows difficulties to come our way for reasons we don't know. But he has a plan, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. We must get to know him better. How? Through prayer, through meditating on his word, his holy word, through growing in our trust of his working in our lives through good and bad times. God desires that we have an intimately close relationship with each other in the church. We have to deepen our relationships with each other. We have to learn to sincerely listen to each other and care for each other in a deeper manner than before. To have real understanding that we, we're simply vessels for God to live and move through, to minister through, healing is found in this room. We need to have proper perspective on our dark valleys and realize that they are not to be wasted, rather used to help others who are in need. Um, I'm so grateful to be back here. I, I love you guys. Um, I'm so humbled and um, just encouraged by God to, to be able to speak to you today. To God be the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.